Welcome, everybody, to your favorite Friday night podcast, The Paranormal Umbrella. And tonight joining me is Justina and Dylan Perkins, as we will be doing a continuation reading of the creepypasta of the cryptids, the cryptid hunters. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hi, Hello. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we got a special one for you tonight. We're, we're going to be doing... Two parts, part three and part four. Yes. Two for the yes. price of one. Yes. <laughs> According to Sooth, y'all have been very, y'all been very uh, <laughs> demanding Benetic. of this story. <laughs> many, many people have asked me, what happened to part three? We need to know. So, yeah, now we're going to know. Now we're going to find out. So, without further ado... Let me get some. So get your ear holes ready because we're giving you what you want. That's right. Let me uh, let me put some some theme music in the background. Get some atmosphere going. Yes. There we go. A little creepy listening for you tonight. Oh, ominous. We're being professional with this one. Yes. <laughs> All right. Professional. professional. Okay. Here we go. Without further ado, a warning to the wannabe cryptid hunters. I found another goddamn corpse. This time of year is really something. Frost is painting the window panes. The snowflakes look like tiny stars falling from the sky. And I found a corpse on my property today. Or rather, one of the security guards did. He called me right away, talking in that sort of low, empty tone. He sounded dead inside, for lack of a better word. Uh, Miss Novak, uh, you should come to the Red Meadow, I think. What do you mean you think? There's a body. I nearly <laughs> dropped my cell phone. Suddenly feeling weirdly disconnected from myself, I staggered to my feet and began fumbling for my keys. I'll be right there, Gus, I promised, voice trembling before ending the call. The Red Meadow is a wide plain right outside the eastern edge of the woods. It's full of these strange scarlet flowers. They're about the same size as a regular old daisy, and their petals are shaped a bit like tiny hearts. Weirdly enough, we've been unable to identify them. There are many flowers like them, but none are an exact match. My father used to be obsessed with them. He was always picking and drawing them, but he never found out more about them either. Today, a blanket of snow covered the meadow, yet the intense red of the flowers still managed to shine through in some places. I could see Fergus standing near the tree line, stiffly waving to me. His shallow, labored breaths rose from his lips in tiny plumes of vapor as he jogged to meet me halfway. I didn't see it happen. I heard screams. I followed them, and there he was. Whatever did it was already gone by the time I got there. He led me over to the body. 
A man in his 30s, dressed in much the same functional clothes as the first cryptid hunter who'd found his way onto my property not too long ago. My head was reeling. How did these guys keep getting in? I think he died of fright. When I found him, he was lying on his stomach with one of his arms underneath him. Why do you roll him over? I checked for injuries. Found nothing, not even a trace of blood. But look at his face. I sighed. <sighs> Admittedly, I was avoiding doing so up to that point. I knelt down next to the dead man, gathering my large, far too voluminous skirts at my sides. I raised my eyes to meet the corpse's empty gaze. Shaking my head, I tried to chase the flashing memories of my little brother's severed head from my mind. All those who die in fear seem to share the same look. Their horror remains imprinted on their contorted grimace, preserved for those unfortunate enough to happen upon their bodies. Fergus was probably right. The way he'd found this man suggested he'd been on his way out of the woods, presumably running from something. Another thrill-seeker who'd had too much of a good thing. It was even sadder to see him here, beyond the tree line. He'd nearly made it out alive. Then the adrenaline must have overtaxed his heart, and he'd fallen over, clutching his chest. I wondered if he'd realized what was happening. Maybe not. Maybe he'd been so terrified by whatever was chasing him that he hadn't even seen it coming. Either way, in his last moments, there had only been him, this fearsome unknown entity, and his exerted, failing body. Damn, what a shitty way to go. Are you okay, Gus? Do you want to go home? You need me here, don't you? I do, but I don't want you to go around like nothing happened. When you've just found a body? I'll be alright. It's not the first time we've had death here. I gave him a concerned frown. He didn't sound all that convincing. He obviously didn't want me to fuss, so I didn't, but it felt crappy leaving him here on that note. I told him to follow his normal route, hoping the rest of the day would go smoothly for him. To me, however, this corpse meant a lot more work. First off, I would have to dispose of him. It's not like we go entirely unnoticed out here. We could get a visit from the police in due time. Now, my family has maybe two or three friends among the local authorities who know what's really going on in these woods. They're likely to see it as that. But if someone goes missing on our property, no further inquiries are made. Imagine a search being launched in my forest. It'd be a bloodbath. Even so, best not to risk anything. The corpse still needed to disappear. The easiest way to do that was to dump it in the lake. In case I haven't mentioned it before, the lake is located about a 20-minute walk from the Red Meadow in a lighter, less densely wooded area. Its twin lakes 
actually connected by a fierce old stream. I had the bigger one in mind, though. Drop something in there, and it'll be gone in a flash. Fall in yourself, and... Oh, well. It hasn't frozen over yet this year, so I decided to go for it right away. I don't have a vehicle fit to transport a corpse through the woods, but I do have Jeanette. Jeanette is a mule. I got one of my co-workers who was hanging out at my family's house at the moment to bring a ride over. We loaded her up and I got on my way. The woods were quiet as per usual. Walking alone normally agrees with me, but hauling a corpse and a stubborn mule really put a damper on the mood. I tried to focus on the glittering snow beneath my boots and the many shiny icicles that made the forest resemble a stalactite cave. Anything but the dead body bobbing up and down on the back of the animal besides me. We were getting on slower than I had hoped. The wintry air was beginning to sting my bare shoulders. Seeing as I normally didn't mind it at all, that was saying something. Jeanette was being a drama queen. She always knows when I really need her help, and it's then that she's the most uncooperative. With the sun going down in the afternoon this time of year, darkness was already beginning to settle over the treetops. The water surface was still and undisturbed, covered partially by thin plates of ice. I surveyed the lake with bated breath. As peaceful as it looked, I knew how volatile a state this tranquility posed come nightfall. Grandfather? I called out into the darkness, trying to keep my voice down. Now the creature I was hoping to rouse obviously isn't my actual grandfather. It's just a nickname he, the Vodanoi, goes by. I needed to talk to him to ask permission before laying the ill-fated explorer to rest in his waters. The lake stayed eerily quiet. <sighs> Grandfather, I repeated a little louder this time. I hated having to raise my voice. The woods prefer silence. To my frustration, I received no response. The water remained an unblinking black mirror without so much as a single bubble rising to the surface. It didn't look as though Grandfather Vodanoi was going to show up, which meant that I was being faced with a difficult decision. I really didn't want to stick around for anything that might have overheard me shouting to drop in. I would have to dump the cadaver without consulting the big boss. Against my better judgment, I dragged the body off my mule and rolled it towards the edge of the lake, giving it one last powerful shove. It fell off the small ridge and disappeared with a satisfying plop. I imagined it rapidly sinking to the bottom and a weight fell off my shoulders. I lingered for merely a minute, wallowing in my melancholy and wondering if the Vodanoi would be mad at me when he woke up to find I'd used his haunting grounds as a garbage disposal. That question would not go unanswered for long. Just as I turned to leave, I heard a frantic, enormous splashing sound. 
Whirling around, I let out a yelp of surprise when I saw the creature rise from the murky depths. He was twice my size. An old, green-skinned man with a nightmarishly contorted face that resembled that of a catfish more than a human's. I staggered backwards as he started dragging himself up onto the dry land on his big paunch, his morbid, fleshy masses wrinkling and wriggling grotesquely. Algae hung in his long, tangled white hair, and scales covered the lower part of his body, which thinned into a fishtail. I cursed myself for not waiting for him earlier. Perhaps he'd heard me, lingering just beneath the surface, expecting me to make a transgression he could justly punish me for. I could feel I was about to pay dearly for my impatience. Grandfather, I'm sorry. I was nervous. I had to be quick, so I... He didn't answer, only letting out a gurgling laugh as he wrapped one of his webbed paws around my ankle, throwing me off balance. I landed hard on my ass in the dirt, blindly thrashing and kicking at his face, but before I knew it, he tugged me into a forceful embrace, pressed up against his slick, saggy chest. I gagged at the foul odor he emitted. The slimy muck coating his skin rubbed off onto my face and arms and dress. Stealing such a deep sense of disgust within me that I couldn't help but heave. Now soiled with my own vomit, I was pulled into the icy water. I was too shocked physically as well as mentally to fathom a single clear thought. All I could do was screech like a banshee. The Vodanoi let go of me, giving me a meaningful look before shoving me further out into the lake. My dress bore me up and I was sent gliding through the water. He called out to me, his voice equal parts rage-filled and amused. It was raspy, wet, and blubbering as though he was retching out water from his lungs with every word he said. With that, he sank down, not causing a single splash. Fuck. 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 Mom had warned me never to stand too close to the water's edge. What the hell had I been thinking? I started swimming towards the ridge again, only to realize in horror just how difficult it was. My voluminous skirt was already soaked, its weight seemingly doubling mine. There was light all around me. My puffed sleeves had tightened, gripping my upper arms like chains. I was fighting against my own wedding dress, and it was quickly gaining the upper hand. I was barely able to stay afloat, much less reach firm ground again. My head kept bobbing under. I couldn't keep it above the surface for long. Gasping for air, my rapid movements brought me closer and closer to exhaustion. Just as I was sinking down once more, I caught a glimpse of a menacingly tall silhouette looming over the lakeside. 
quick. Take my hand if you want to live. The Leshy's voice cut through the water. I could hear it clearly, even when submerged. Summoning my last bit of strength, I flung myself out of the water and reached for this monstrous, log-like arm he extended to me across the surface. It was long enough for me to climb it like an entire tree, but I was still too heavy. The dress dragged me under. I couldn't pull myself up. Sputtering and gasping for air, I dug my fingers into the Leshy's bark skin. Shed your gown. Venture to drown you. I can't! Pull! Just pull! I'll hang on! He let out a growl, then abruptly drew back his arm, taking me along. Plowing through the freezing water, I felt a relief unlike anything I had ever known. Once I was close enough, he grabbed me with both hands and lifted me out of the water, dropping me besides my mule. Jeanette had been standing beneath one of the old lakeside trees, resting up, and not really minding my near-death experience. Thanks, Jeanette. Coughing up dirty, cold water, I huffed and panted, trying to catch my breath while furiously rubbing my own upper arms to try and regain some semblance of feeling in my frozen skin. I didn't see the leshy change form, being more occupied with myself at that moment, but when I looked up again, I found the bearded man with the cudgel standing over me. Now, why didn't you get out of your dress? I couldn't. It's hell to get into in the first place. If you really think I can pull down a zipper and it comes off? He looked almost annoyed. It was odd seeing him display such a human emotion. He caught himself, though, straightening up and clearing his throat. <clears throat> I hope you are aware... You just caused me some trouble, potentially. The Vodinoe is the lord of this lake. He's unlikely to appreciate my intrusion. What are you getting at? He didn't respond right away. Instead, he gave me a long look, appraising me. I'll tell you what, Eris. I'll see you home safely, so you don't freeze to death. What are you taking advantage of? All alone out here as you are. I will have saved you. And you are going to repay me. The air felt even colder all of a sudden. I yearned for a dry, warm blanket to wrap around my shoulders. But my garments were drenched. And more likely to freeze me into a statue. As much as it pained me to admit it... I needed his help. Dearly. I'll pay you back accordingly. I promised, pressing the words out between chattering teeth. But I'll be willing to bet you already have something in mind. Right. Of course I do. And you will, Wadlow. Yes, sir. I will. <laughs> so good. So good, right? <laughs>
We love part three. We love part three. That was really, really good. Just old Greg trying to bring down uh, Fiona. I just realized that someone later on is going to be listening to this on Spotify. And they're going to be relaxed and listening to the story. And then next thing you know, they're going to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so it's sorry. True. It's true. I it's apologize. Okay. It's the risk they take. <laughs> it, it is. It is the risk they take. <laughs> sorry. I need a little sip of my drink there. Okay. I'm going to give this one a warning. This next part, uh, there's some uh, explicit content. Yeah, yeah, yes. we'll put it that way. It's a little, um, little spicy. Yeah, little spicy time. A little struggle snuggle, if you know what I'm saying. Wiggle, so, wiggle, nudge, nudge, wiggle, right? wiggle. <laughs> so if that <laughs> is not <laughs> orange, no. right? Okay. Well, if uh, that's not your thing, then I suggest you skedaddle for this next part, part mm-hmm, four. Mm-hmm. You can give me a few um, seconds to go, you know. Wait, um, you know, just go ahead. It's, it's, it's fine. Public service announcement. <laughs> it's okay. The door is right there. You know, you can get a goodie, a goodie bag while you're on your way out. You know. Get your. Okay. All right. That was it. That's all you got. So here we go with part four. A warning to the wannabe cryptid hunters. My brother is a horny idiot. Well, I'm having a shit time. I caught a massive cold and my back hurts like hell. None of this would have happened if y'all weren't so goddamn stupid, you know? Of course... My pride has also been majorly wounded by having to crouch and crawl before someone like the wood demon. I had to give him a promise, but uh, I'm going to keep that to myself for just a little while longer. Anyways, my brother Casimir is staying over. He's probably the one family member I have the most contact with. The others have scattered across the country, and aside from the money they send me to help with the upkeep of the safety measures around the forest, there's not much communication going on. Hell, I don't even know what half of them do for a living. Casimir's a real estate agent, so I know he's definitely a crook. And I hear one of my sisters married rich and now owns a gambling hall in Vegas? Good for her, I guess. There's definitely some family resemblance between Casimir and me. But he's way leaner and taller, and he's got a hawk nose. He looks a lot like some humanoid bird of prey altogether, but in a good way. He's a very handsome guy, which has led a bunch of unfortunate women to fall for him. He's got these pale green eyes that have already sent countless girls over the moon. That he's also a total asshole with unresolved mommy issues was something they had to find out the hard way. Lord knows how many times I've gotten calls and texts from weeping girls who'd look me up to get an answer as to why he disappeared. On top of that, he's got a bit of a gambling issue. Since I live and entertain the woods off of the money my siblings send me, that's been my problem occasionally as well. He provides me with a substantial amount on a regular basis, but sometimes he'll come around and uh, need it back because he's made some debts again. 
Sometimes he comes up with other little side businesses and then he'll send money on that. But it's never worked out thus far. Bit of a waste of time for sure. He's still my favorite brother though. I like him for the person he is around me. Not for how he acts when he's away. And the thing is, he'd do anything for me. One of my employees answered the door for him this morning while I watched from my window. After ringing the doorbell, Casimir raked a hand through his slicked back blonde hair and readjusted his grip on the bouquet he was holding. Black Callus, my favorites. Shortly after, I welcomed him into my room. After our mom had died and dad had moved to Cali, I'd taken over the master bedroom as it was more spacious. I'd thrown out every last piece of furniture and put up completely new wallpapers. In fact, I have long since renovated all the rooms in the house. A lot of them serve as break rooms for the employees nowadays, some with beds or cots so they can, you know, catch a nap. I still can't... I, I still can't believe what you've done to the place. I keep expecting mom and dad's old room when I come here. Feels weird. It was way too expensive. I kind of regret it. I should have left everything as it was. Would have saved me a fortune. But I felt like I needed to do this at the time. How long are you staying for? Well, that depends. How long is that gonna last? You look like shit. <laughs> Thanks. But like, really, why are you here? All right, well, uh, a friend of mine sent me this. He whipped out his phone and proceeded to show me several screenshots. <sighs> Instantly feeling a headache coming on upon taking them in. They were of an online article. I won't drop any publisher names, but think BuzzFeed and the like. Someone had written about my woods. In the vein of a dark tourism recommendation. Location, description, and everything. Okay, now, now, before you get all panicky, this friend is actually one of the editors for the site, and he also has a share in it, you know. And when the author submitted it to him, he recognized it, and I'm real glad I told him about it from that one time. Hey, who knew it would pay off? Anyways, it was easy enough for me to get it to, well, him to make it disappear on my behalf. Helped me bribe the author to never write anything like it again. So, so you know, nothing to worry about. That's not the end of it, though, uh, of course. I looked us up, and it turns out we're an insider tip for horror nerds. So I figured I'd best go visit my big sister. You know, my big sister will know what's what, uh, or, or not. Maybe, maybe my big sister just needs to catch a break. Oh man, you have no idea. It's been hell over here. So I told him everything. And now he's made himself at home in the guest bedroom for what's probably going to be a couple of weeks. He'd had enough foresight to take time off work to help me out. I expect he'll be able to find more hires in no time, charming as he is. We're going to revise the guards routes tonight and try to locate the blind spot where all these tourists keep coming through. Aside from that, it's really just a pleasure having someone around who I'm close with. I know I've said in the past that I'm a bit of an introvert, and I am, but it's different with Cass. His presence has always been a comfort to me. 
But earlier, when I was helping him unpack his suitcase, there was a moment when I seriously doubted his intelligence. He'd brought our old figure skates, both pairs. Holding mine up by the laces, I gave him a long, reproachful look. Are you for real? I thought Mom threw them away. I saved them. Why? And don't tell me you want to have a go around the Twin Lakes. Why not? You know exactly why. Because you went for a dip yesterday. Once the surface is frozen, the old man's going to be asleep. All peaceful down there. He won't even know. We, we, we don't even have to go to his area. No. Because of the other thing. Oh. I'm sorry. I forgot the whole uh, dress debacle. I think you were still hung up over Jace. What? No. No, that's not what I meant. You almost fucking died out there. Oh. Right. Of course. But I'm over that. I had to punch a girl's intestines for you. Bear with me, it'll make sense later. Yeah, but you know, that's why I love you so much. I guess I'd best share the story behind this one. As you might have guessed from our conversation, Cass and I used to go ice skating on the Twin Lakes when we were younger. Which, by the way, was before I started wearing my wedding dress. We knew it was kind of dangerous, and not only because the ice could break beneath us, but we didn't care. He'd had a growth spurt at 14 and already discovered early on that girls feel nice from the inside. He'd often ask my advice in matters of courtship, and weirdly enough, that had brought us closer together. He disco we discovered that we both liked ice skating, and we practiced it regularly with each other in the hopes of preparing ourselves to impress future wintertime dates. For years, we only went to actual ice rinks when our hobby came into season. But when I was 19 and he was 16, I suggested we use the lakes instead. We told mom and dad that it was because we wouldn't have to pay for tickets, and because it was basically right outside our door. But that was a lie. Casimir knew the real reason I wanted to skate in the woods. I'll share that shooting too, okay? But this isn't about me. So let's just say there was someone living there whom I sort of wanted to put a show on for. Our, look, okay, our experience had always been thoroughly enjoyable and untainted. We were always careful not to be too loud or disruptive to the forest. We had that much sense even then. Nobody ever bothered us either. That one day in late January would change things though. The smaller of the lakes, the one we preferred, was a rigid frozen dance floor. Our blades had scraped the ice there countless times. We were talking quietly on our walk, strapping our skates on once we reached the spot and instantly busting out the big guns. We had already learned some figures and jumps, and we were pretty good for two self-taught kids. We soon noticed we'd forgotten to bring something to drink, though, and we were way too thirsty to carry on without. Not wanting to cut our session short, I told Cass I'd run back home and fetch us something. He said he'd be fine waiting for me. Being fast on my feet, I managed to sprint to the house and return within a half hour. 
Upon my return, I found my brother grinning from ear to ear. Handing him one of the bottles I'd brought, I asked what had gotten into him. Why was he so tickled? What do you want to say? I should have known something was up right then and there, but I shrugged it off. We continued on with our skating and went home before it got dark. Casimir was giggling to himself the entire time. We'd wanted to go the day after that too, and Casimir was practically excited at the prospect. Having a habit of sleeping in on the weekends, I woke up around noon to find out from my mom that Casimir had already left for the lake around two hours ago. Did he say anything else? No, he seemed rather excited though. However, you sit down. Your brother might have ran off on me, but you want to stay here for breakfast if you can even call it that anymore. My eggs are getting cold. Assuring her I'd be back in a jiffy and apologizing Wait. profusely, I made a break for it before she could chase me down with a plate. I suddenly had an extremely bad feeling about all of this. I threw on my jacket in a hurry and headed out the door. Upon reaching the lake, I slowed down, sneaking around a little and hiding behind trees as I got closer. As soon as I spotted Casimir, stopped. He was sitting on the ridge by the lakeside, feet dangling just above the ice. He was laughing, and the cause of his delight was apparent. There was a girl sitting on his lap, tickling his chest, neck, and armpits. So that's why he'd been so eager to get back here. He'd probably met her the day before when I was away. She was completely naked, so quite obviously non-human, but the fun that they were having seemed to be innocent enough. I didn't really care who my brother fraternized with, and more than a few forest dwellers I'd encountered were kind-natured and rather peaceful, so perhaps there wasn't actually cause for alarm. Casimir's giggling filled the air as he started curling up in the snow, the girl leaning over him. Not wanting to stick around and watch them make out, I turned around and went on my way back home. That's when I realized that Cass wasn't laughing. He was laughing too hard. It sounded a bit like he couldn't breathe. Frowning, I cast another glance at the pair. The girl was now holding him down, physically restraining him, and he was actually struggling. Something was off. Biting back my embarrassment, I emerged from the tree line, starting towards them across the ice. Neither of them noticed me at first. I was about to shout out to them when I noticed something that made me stop in my tracks. The girl had her back turned to me, and while the whole of it had previously been covered by her long hair, this veil was now lifted when she leaned further down to bury her face against Casimir's shirt. Her hair shifted, revealing that her back was, for lack of a better term, lacking skin. My stomach twisted at the mere sight. Her spine lay bare, as did the ribs and red mass around them. I was pretty sure I could see her organs, pulsing, dripping red and pink flesh, the white shine of bone. I felt as though the ice was about to break beneath me, like I was falling. That girl looked like she was 
half a corpse, cut open with surgical precision to reveal her insides. An actual fucking Mavka. Casimir was gasping for hair at this point. His ragged cries tore me from my rigidity, and I stomped over to the two of them, incoherently screaming at the top of my lungs. I grabbed the girl by the shoulders, tossing her off my brother and throwing myself on top of her. Her face pressed down into the snow. She could only sputter and whine. Pulse thrumming in my ears, I summoned all my courage as I forcefully shoved my fingers into the spaces between her ribs. I dug my nails in mercilessly, trying to somehow get a grip on the bone. I'll rip it out! I screeched, ignoring the vomit rising in my throat. If you ever hurt him again, I'll rip it the fuck out! The Mavka let out a scream of fear and agony, pushing me off in a panicked frenzy. Rolling onto my back, I could see her taking off into the woods, naked feet slapping the frozen ground. Cass helped me to my feet, a haunted look in his eyes. As soon as I was standing, he hugged me so tightly he nearly cut off my airflow. I took him home, and we didn't speak of the incident ever again. I never encountered the Mavka after that. I guess I scared her off. There's still the Ruskali, who dwell in hiding by the lakeside, though. Just another reason to be careful. I would venture back there regularly, not to meet the predatory man-hating water ladies, of course. Sure, my brother was a horny idiot in his own way, but let's just say so was I. Back to the present, I suppose. Cass and I are currently taking a break from trying to solve their surveillance issue. We haven't come to any fully formed conclusions yet, but he's actually planted an uncomfortable idea in my mind. If the guards' routes have been working all the time, and it's only now that things are going wrong, then there's a possibility that all these internet strangers are getting tipped off and let in. And if that's true, then it has to be one of my employees doing it. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Part five, part five, part five, part five. If you want part five, you're going to have to join us next Friday night. Oh, my God. Oh. You got to wait. You got to wait. That's you got to like. You got to like comment subscribe and then maybe give us five star ratings if you're real good we Sue, might read part Sue, five what Sue. what how long have we known each other a while okay and you mean to tell me you don't love me enough to do part five i do love you <laughs> but i'm just letting you know i haven't re- look here calling me out on it i should re- i'm just you know what i'm done mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so mad that y'all walked away from my eggs, dang it. <laughs> Do you know how expensive eggs are now? These are a lot of damn eggs. <laughs> eggs are expensive. Eggs are very expensive. They are very expensive. I, I feel for the mother. I feel for the mother because I'm pretty sure she cooked <laughs> some good breakfast with some sausages and some bacon and some biscuits and some right? eggs with cheese. That good country toast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All the good stuff. 
Oh, what if she did French toast and waffles? Ooh. Oh. That's French. it. We're having breakfast. Uh, We're going to have breakfast for tomorrow. Dinner. Oh, now I want to make French toast. I want to make some waffles. I haven't had Belgian waffles in a minute. Oh, Belgian waffle tacos. <gasps> Girl. Have you ever had that before? No. You just you just make a taco out of the Belgian waffle and then you put your eggs and your bacon in it. You just don't, Sooth, don't tell me. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's how oh I do my God. chicken and waffles. We're having breakfast for dinner tomorrow. We gotta have it just breakfast. Brings together. Everyone together. It, it really does. does. It's such a uniting I, experience. I, I wait, 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 I got a question. Can we have an episode of us like like taking a break and just talking about food from different areas that we want to try? Can <laughs> we? Maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what we can do. That sounds we'll see such a good idea because food is such a good thing and I love the food. food they serve at the SCP. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> On that note, thank you everybody for coming out and listening to us tonight doing our creepy pasta Wait, readings. dad jokes. Oh, Lord. Wait, 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 wait. Dear what goddess. Is, you, you know I gotta get it. You know I gotta get it. You know I gotta get it. Hold on. You know, you know, while Schultz okay. is looking for the dad joke, I think the leshy might have a, a something to say to the audience. Go for it. Go for it. If you're going to be good audience and really want part five, you need to make sure that you show love to the podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank okay. you, Leshy. Thank, Thank you, Leshy. Leshy. <laughs> we're, we're pretty cool yeah, with the Leshy. The Leshy is like a cool person, you know. He's, he's like really chill. He comes over on the weekends to drink some coffee, you know. He's <laughs> <laughs> little bland. <laughs> so bland. Okay, what's the, what's okay. the dad joke? Okay. Dad joke. What did the lettuce say to the celery? What? Quit stalking me. Oh, my God. Gosh. Oh, <laughs> Tina, I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight to our creepypasta readings for Dear Cryptid Hunters, part three and four. And if you really want to hear it, we'll do part five next Friday night for the Paranormal Umbrella. Don't forget to join us next Wednesday. Tina is going to be joining me because Kellick mm-hmm. is going on vacation. So we're going to be doing something called the Cryptid Roulette. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be great, y'all. It's going to be a fun time for everybody. Wheel of Fortune Wheel. Well, <laughs> one of our wonderful commenters just said their name is Squishy. They said, do you know why chickens are awesome? Because. <laughs> because. <laughs> 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 That's great. That's great. I love that. Thank you so much for that. That is fabulous. Now, as we get along really well with the dad jokes and the puns. Yes. Yes. Now, as we have said, you can find us literally everywhere. You have no escape and you have no reason not to be listening. We are on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Pod Addict, Podvine, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iAppleAllTheThings.com. Okay, yes. we're just, we're there. <laughs> and we also have social medias. And in all of our, you know, things, we do this little solo post that links you to all of our things. And we have a Discord, which you can join us on. And you can cuss and discuss all of these wonderful things that we talk about and that we, you know, read and all that. Sh- it'll be there. It'll and be give there. us suggestions. Right. Right, 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 right. That's what that so, nice little Discord is for, so we can get your input. 
Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. exactly that. And so, so I can torture you with more dad jokes. That too. <laughs> we have a whole channel devoted to that. <laughs> anyway, so thank you so much. And like Dylan said, subscribe, like, watch, rate, do the things, downloads, upload, share with friends. Have all the good times. Subscribe and to the channel. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God! Did you know? <laughs> no, 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 no! It's, it's gonna haunt gonna, me we're forever. We're gonna clear your milk. We're gonna clear your milk. Yeah, it's gonna haunt me forever. Channing will haunt for till death. Till death. Oh my God! Like, like Big Brother in those conspiracies, we're everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's true. We are everywhere. And on that note, bye bye. Bye bye.